you're listening to the next team podcast hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of the next team podcast and this time believe it or not we are back with f1 after a very 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 long hiatus that extends back many several grand prix uh but you know we're back now it's a new season new year uh, lots of new things coming up in the season and we're here to go through all of them uh, with you guys. So it's me, Tarun, and him, Yash, joining you for this hey uh, pre-season review of this uh, F1 season. And before we jump right into it, Yash has some messages for you. Yes, so thank you so much, guys, for all the support you have shown to us on our various social media platforms. And we really, really appreciate your support. Uh, so do be sure to check out Check us out on our social media platforms. Uh, we are at the Insta and TikTok at the Next Team SG, and we're also on Spotify and YouTube at the Next Team Podcast. Over to you, Tarun. Yes, thank you, Yash. Please do listen to him. Check us out on all our pages. Uh, all our links will be in our descriptions as usual. So, getting right into it. Um, new regulations, new technical regulations, new look cars, and uh, mm-hmm. Yash. Why don't you start with one car that has uh, caught your eye this season? Oh, for me, it's definitely the Aston Martin. I don't know if it's the livery or the car, but I feel the Aston Martin looks pretty sick to me on track. Like the reveal I watched is Reveal Life. And mm-hmm. we had a very long, boring speech of Lawrence show, <laughs> who looked like he was just, I don't know, probably reading from some script he had in front of him. And, but, but the reveal of the car really got me excited like i think that was the first proper car we managed to see in the whole like reveal kind of because mm. i think which was i think red bull revealed it before them and they just revealed a fake car basically right. you know, like uh model just car. the model model car and put the livery yeah on. model car exactly and then um which other team i think there's one more team i can't remember who was the first i remember team. I haas was... also did it before that but i don't think it yeah. was the final car itself yeah yeah it wasn't a final car so looking at the aston martin for the first time just the actual spec car really got me excited about how the cars looked hmm. uh so that that was the car which initially caught my eye but i think the car which caught everyone's eye after uh revealing is i think ferrari because right uh, ferrari's whole concept of the car was completely different from everyone they have a very pointy nose in a way Yep. And their whole barge board and side pod area is very different and like very different from the competitors, basically. And of course, we saw Mercedes uh, come up with their no side pods. Uh, yes, it's got plenty of names for it zero pods, <laughs> hide pods. Yeah. Uh, very creative F1 community has been taking, taking over it recently. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it's been definitely interesting to see the different directions that the teams have taken. Uh, in terms of car looks, uh, I think personally the car, one car that really caught my eye this season, uh, livery wise, is is the Alfa Romeo for me. Uh, okay. I just feel like Alfa Romeo have always delivered solid liveries, and this season yeah, it's just took pretty it solid another notch sure. up. And it looks sick, man. Mm. It looks sick. Yeah, I but, mean uh, they have this whole rim area as well, which they kind of designed it in a way, exactly. like for the new eighteen-inch tires. Because right. now the brake ducts are blocked, so we no longer see the brake ducts. And they actually went ahead to kind of create a design for that, which yeah. kind of really suits the overall outlook of the entire car. So that, was, that yeah. was really cool. I don't think many of the other teams actually put a lot of thought into that uh, wheel cover, but mm-hmm. Alfa Romeo did and it looks really cool. For yeah. sure. 
So for um, you, the Alfa Romeo livery was your favorite? Yeah, I think livery-wise, that's my favorite. Okay. Um, yeah, car concept-wise, uh, I mean, I do have to say Mercedes is the car that caught my eye, caught everyone's eye in testing, didn't it? Mm. Um, interesting, interesting, but uh, what what it means in terms of, uh, how do you say, like raceability and, and is this what uh, FIA meant for the car? Yeah. In the new regulations, that remains to be seen, I think. I mean, to be honest, you could also say that they, they were really innovative in their design, you know, like yep. they made use of whatever, like I'm pretty sure, I'm certain they didn't break any rules because if they broke any rules, uh, the FIA would have notified them immediately. Hmm. So, because if I'm not wrong, I was watching the preseason testing and one of the commentators at that time, I believe it was Ted, he was talking about how there's always a FIA personnel whenever any team is looking to develop something. And if I personally is always there to tell them whether it's whatever direction they're going to is legal or not. Yep. So, so I'm pretty sure in that perspective, I don't think the car is illegal. So it's a very innovative solution. And we saw that the very next day or next, next day, Red Bull wriggled their sort of a <laughs> new side pot concept, although not zero pot, but uh, they, they yeah, changed yeah. their car completely as well. Yeah. And the third day of testing. So, uh, you know, just moving a little bit away from their design and a bit more towards a, a different style in that sense yeah and uh, i think but ross braun was uh talking it through on i think uh day one of bahrain or something and the the main concern for them is whether this design is going to be affecting the raceability of the car uh, yes yep and whether uh the following of the car behind is going to be yeah. affected it's all about the airflow i think that's yes, what exactly. Ross concern is if if it's going to be spitting up uh, turbulent air you know i don't think it's going to matter that it is technically a legal car but it goes yeah. against the, the spirit of the the rules as they call it yeah for sure yep uh but you know uh, other than merce um it won't say anything that you know particularly stood out to you in preseason over the oh, two the, this is new word which stood out to me was purposing yes which i've purposing. never heard before so first time hearing it and it, it was kind of interesting to see all the cars struggling with all this new phenomena, basically, because of the whole new regulation change. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm not too aware of its technical details too much, but it basically affects your downforce. So they try to increase the ride height to kind of reduce the purposing, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but if, to me, I think the worst car, which had the worst purposing, in my opinion, was I think Mercedes. I don't know if you watch testing, but they were really struggling a lot. Like on the straight, you could see when they're, the car was really bouncing out a lot. Yep. And even the commentators were like saying that they, it was really unusual for Mercedes to propose so much. So I don't know if that's because of the new aero concept of this whole no barge bot thing. Mm -hmm. um, that, you, I mean, waits to be seen. We see, we'll see it this weekend, what uh, Mercedes do about it and how their car is. But uh, that was something which was really interesting for me in preseason mm -hmm. that all these cars had this issue and then a lot of teams worked differently through it. And the, the only team which I felt was very stable in that regards was, I think, McLaren. McLaren were pretty stable, like their car essentially wasn't proposing. But then, of course, in preseason, they had different issues, which is their yeah. brake issues in this season test. And with Daniel getting COVID as well, mm -hmm. uh, that's not too ideal for him. But I guess we'll come back to all of the teams uh, individually in a bit. Yep. And uh, I think, if I remember correctly, Aston also had a bit of an uh, issue with proposing. Yeah. So, I mean, this is where you have to, you know, really look at the technical innovations that each team is going to come up with. Um, this is the, 
this is the fun side of F1, isn't it? To, mm-hmm. to see how teams Definitely. work around it. For sure. Yep. And, uh, you know, just after uh, preseason, uh, who, who would you say is, you know, looking good? Or who would you say is looking like the favourites uh, going into Bahrain? Let's say going into Bahrain, I feel it's definitely number one is Red Bull, in my opinion, because uh, they firstly didn't have any major issues. Their car looks pretty stable, not really big of a, like in purposing, so they didn't face much of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And the whole new aero package they bought on day three, they, if you looked at it, they completely put the time charts off. I mean, obviously, we do not know what, what fuel loads and everything they were running, or even if their engine was turned up. Yeah. But at least on paper, they look the strongest to me. And in terms of reliability, they ran pretty deep as well. Um, but I was most impressed with Ferrari, I think. And to me, I think Ferrari is the second closest. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they were basically the team which had the best reliability. They had zero issues throughout the six days, essentially, of testing. Yeah. And uh, they ran the most laps out of everyone else. Uh, and they were pretty quick as well. Like, I think, to me, they looked at least second quickest. Uh, but obviously, we'll see on, um, you know, when the Bahrain GP comes along, if they're actually that quick. Yep. Because with Ferrari, one thing you can be certain is you can never trust them. Because <laughs> one, one, one day they'll be exceptional and the next day they'll suddenly, you know, fall back. Right. So, um, yeah, let's see. I guess uh, it's really interesting because uh, Ferrari, I feel, made a huge step forward. And they have, like, you know, last season they were fighting with McLaren for the third spot. And I feel this season they have genuinely made that step to uh, fight with the top guys. But how much can they fight with the top guys that race to be seen, honestly? Hmm. Like, I do believe they'll probably get wins this season, but I'm not sure if they'll be able to fight for the title, like how, you know, Mercs and Red Bull are going to probably be fighting for the title. Yeah. What about you? What's your pick? Mm, I actually do feel like Ferrari had a very, very good preseason because it's exactly what you want from a preseason. You want to have, uh, you want to be going through it with no reliability mm. issues. And you want to have all this data that you can work through. Yeah. And ultimately, I think Ferrari did the best job at getting all that. Mm. Uh, what they make use of it to, you know, convert into uh, whether it's a new package or whether it's setup changes for the, the, the season itself, that remains to be yeah. seen. Mm. But um, yeah, personally, I feel like Ferrari are, they came out of preseason with the best uh, results and Red yeah. Bull following pretty closely behind. Right. Okay. So you they probably uh, Ferrari are the fastest in your opinion. You feel at the moment. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think maybe not fastest, but um, you know, definitely they 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 had the best preseason in overall. Mm. Okay. Okay. Fair yep. enough. And uh, admittedly, I am pretty worried about uh, Mercedes. But okay, let's be honest, they usually stand back a lot in preseason tests. Uh, yes, so. I mean, uh, of course, I'm aware of that. But, um, you know, sandbagging, if, if it's just like, you know, it's a slower car, that's, uh, that is understandable. But when this kind of issue is generally, it's not something that a team expects uh, from what I've heard, at least from like commentators and uh, technical directors. It's not something that you plan for. So it's right. hard to use that as a sandbagging component. Uh, if Mercedes really did use purposing as a sandbagging component, I mean, freaking hats off, man. I, <laughs> that is uh, insane. But it's uh, yeah. slightly worrying. I wouldn't be too worried because it is I mean, Mercedes after all. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. But I do feel that why would Mercedes give 
a genuine phenomena like let's say the football thing like we mentioned uh to their car so that they can stand back because eventually that thing affects how the way the driver drives you know and as yes, a pre-season exactly. test your main goal is to get your driver comfortable especially with george coming in hmm. who is probably not used to the you know how the mercedes drives that often so yeah. for him especially he needs more of the seat time so i would say that's not really the case in my opinion Mm-hmm. But I do feel that uh, they probably were sandbagging in some certain areas. Yeah, but sure. I do feel that they do have a genuine issue with the proposing thing because I, I feel that's something which they wouldn't do it deliberately at least. Hmm. Yeah, like you said, uh, a driver feeling comfortable in the car is uh, extremely important. Yeah, uh, especially when the driver is just joining in a new team. And even and, Lewis uh, looked very uncomfortable. He came out in the press afterwards talking about it. I mean, yeah. You rarely see Lewis do that kind of thing, you know, come out in public. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting. But, you know, Mercedes, they always are really quick to bring on upgrades or whatever development they have to do. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they turn up with a different car in Bahrain again in just I mean, three days' time. They have a whole different car from uh, the, the Spain shakedown yeah. that they can use. So. Exactly. So... And to be honest, also, I don't see them as too far behind. I would say on a one-lap pace, they're probably behind. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe even a long-run average. But I don't think they're very, very far behind. Probably three, four tenths, you know, that's what I feel. I mean, obviously, three, four tenths across an entire race distance is probably about 20, 30 seconds for sure. Mm-hmm. But to get those three, four tenths, I don't think it's a big issue for Mercedes, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I guess we'll see because honestly, at the end of the day, I feel this proposing would make the big difference. And if they can sort this issue out, uh, uh, then I guess we might see a faster car, like you said. Yep, for sure. And, uh, you know, we talked about uh, drivers being comfortable in the cars. Of course, we have quite a few driver changes that we have to talk about. Uh, plenty of new drivers. Well, not plenty. Quite a few mm-hmm. new drivers, but there's one old driver that I want to go back to. And that is, of course, the man himself, K-Mag. Kevin Magnussen yeah, back man. in the Haas, uh, back in the seat that he gave up uh, two years ago. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what about, uh, what do you think, Yash? What are your expectations for uh, Magnussen? Oh, I, I feel I have pretty high expectations uh, because, I mean, high expectations in the sense that I feel Haas should be the team which should considerably be the, I wouldn't say the pick of the midfield, but at least battling somewhere in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Because they've essentially scrapped the entire 2021 season to focus on 2022. And I mean, they did a master stroke, you know. They took Mazepin in, uh, <laughs> scrapped one season off, took his money, took his daddy's money, and then uh, kicked him out of the team <laughs> essentially a year later after the car is developed. Yep. So um, it's just a master stroke well. by us. Sorry? Things worked out pretty well for them in the end. Yeah. But of course, it, it waits to be seen how well they've actually developed the car. I feel uh, they have improved. Like I feel in pre-season testing, uh, a lot of people are saying they're probably the at least maybe the fifth, sixth fastest team at least. Uh, so it waits to be seen. But if indeed like Haas are actually that quick, I feel then it's a great opportunity for K-Mac to really grab some points. Because I think with this experience, it's going to help Haas to really push the car towards the proper development of the car. Because you know, over the season, all the teams are going to be developing their cars. So Haas need to develop their cars. So if they don't develop, they're just going to fall back. Yeah. So I feel K-Max is going to be vital with all the experience he has. And he knows all the, you know, people in the uh, garage as well. So That's very true. As a team cohesion perspective, it's, I feel, the best decision Haas could have gone for uh, getting K-Max in. And it's going to help young Mick as well. 
Mick is finally going to have a proper driver to benchmark himself against. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to push him to do better as well. And I feel the future looks really bright for Haas. But that's, of, of course, if their car is actually what it's said to be. <laughs> so I guess we shall see on in the Bahrain GP where their car actually stands. But I feel expectations at Haas should be quite quite high for this season. Yep. I mean, that, that would definitely make sense. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they are, they did spend one entire year working on this car, uh, yeah, exactly. as compared to their closest rival. So, uh, you would expect yeah. that they have some sort of an edge. Uh, and and let's forget now they had more wind tunnel testing and everything because of all the new cost caps. Right. So essentially, they have the advantage of you know trialing more aero components, a lot more, mm-hmm. or, or you know whatever the stick people do in the F one world. So uh, that's a benefit for them as well. Uh, exciting times ahead for Haas. Uh, and another driver who uh, F1 has kind of gone back to is, of course, Williams taking in uh, Alex Albon. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts after his uh, preseason? Uh, to be honest, I can't really say much because to me, I feel apart from livery looking very stunning in the Williams, uh, not, nothing really much impressed me about the Williams in preseason, to be honest. Mm-hmm. They I were facing they a lot of very good right? preseason. Yeah, I mean, in terms of reliability, they were okay, I think. But in terms of pace-wise, uh, they weren't really anywhere. Like, they didn't set me, like, you know, off the charts. Like, Haas, I think in day two or even day three, they were, like, second or first. I think day two, they were first. And day three, they were, I think, second or third fastest, something like that. Hmm. But that, that's, of course, uh, you know, they had the extra running because of their own freight delays. So they had optimal running conditions in their nighttime. So, I mean, obviously, that's one of the things to take note of. But still, it's it's pretty impressive from, you know, Haas perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, I didn't see really any of those kind of sort with Williams. And I realized they were facing a lot of the front locking issue as well. Like, especially to turn 10, the downhill left-hander, you're always seeing Latifi or even Alban locking up quite a bit. Right. So, maybe there's some issue with the car at the front. Uh, or maybe under, under, like, you know, heavy braking. Um mm. Just like, you know, McLaren has some issues going into turn one with their brakes, apparently. So, I guess it waits to be seen. You know, it could be that Williams were just probably sandbagging as well. And then suddenly in Bahrain, they'll be ultra quick. Who knows? They learn from um, their engine providers. Exactly. Let's, let's send back <laughs> the hell out of these, man. <laughs> yeah, probably. But I feel in terms of appointment, Alban is a good appointment for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel it's, it's definitely right for them to keep Latifi because I feel Latifi is... Uh, underrated driver in my opinion he's never had the chance to shine personally so that's one thing but uh yeah with the young gun of alban and we know alban's really quick really talented so it gives him the platform to you know get his f1 career back on track because it's not been easy of course after being dropped from red bull program and personally i feel that it's going to be his situation is going to be a bit like ghastly as well where he's going to have to drive for the mid, mid, mid teams for a long time until finally a vacancy that the top opens up mm-hmm. but I feel that's not going to be Ferrari uh, not Ferrari sorry Red Bull for him yeah, yeah. that's my personal opinion of it but you know in F1 world never say never never when you might go back like never, nobody expected Magnussen to come back to Haas right um, so yeah never say never I guess yep I mean of all the names that were in the in the mix for the Haas seat Magnussen was not one of them yeah, and exactly. He just came in with it and then took it up. So I thought it was going to be Hulkenberg or probably who was the other guy? Some I think German Nazi, yes. Uh, and yeah, Piastri as well. also uh, 
heavily linked, but it was pretty much confirmed that it was uh, Fittipaldi before mm, the testing. Before yeah, before the testing. Uh, feels a bit bad for him, but you know, he'll live. <laughs> um, yeah. Also on the topic of uh, new drivers, of course, we have Zhou Guan Yu partnering mm. Bottas. Both are technically their new drivers to the team. Uh, yeah. One is a lot newer to the sport, of course. Uh, but uh, what what would you say of that Alfa Romeo this season? You know, like not looking at the drivers yet, mm. just that Alfa Romeo from from testing. What does that uh, say to you? I think the Alpha looks very quick. I feel they definitely have more chance this season to fight for regular points, mm-hmm. at least based on testing outlook, uh, because they were pretty quick. Uh, and they said one of the, like, their quicker times on the C3 tyres, which are pretty hard, like medium tyres, I think. Mm. And they were like pretty up there at the top five or seven, I think, when they set the times. So I, I feel it's, it's quite off, like, I think optimism is a good thing because they have this world-class drama with Lazaro Bottas. I mean, people criticize him, but I think we should all agree that Bottas is a world-class driver. Yeah. And he came to Mercedes, exactly did the job they wanted him to do, win the constructors for them. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. I mean, yeah, people might argue that, you know, he was not able to, you know, challenge Lewis and stuff. But ultimately, we have to look at it in this perspective that Lewis is just on a different planet and there's very few drivers could actually challenge him in the same state and on top of my mind i only think it's rosberg was really able to challenge him with maybe jensen button sometimes but more often than not you know he was always lewis was always a superior driver wherever he went mm-hmm. so i i feel it's, it's a good way for alpha to get a stabilized like a driver with Bottas experience mm-hmm. and of course you know with him knowing all the technical technicalities of the mercedes department and everything he can certainly guide the Alfa Romeo crew for a better aero package or in terms of development of the car at least uh, uh, going forward I feel and with Joe I'm, I'm honestly not too sure about him uh, I know he comes with a lot of money which is why firstly I feel Alfa yeah. hired him as a driver and yeah he has won a few races in F2 I think but he's not impressed me to the point that he deserves the seat you know mm-hmm. like if you ask me today I'll, I'll say probably Piastri deserves the seat more but Obviously, with Piastri linked to having, you know, ties with Alpine, uh, he wouldn't get the Alpha seat. Right. So um, that, that's what I genuinely felt like when Alpha hired. And I felt also Giovinazzi should probably have stayed, in my opinion. I felt mm. uh, he's, he's a really underrated driver, in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. So I, I was quite disappointed to see him go. But uh, I guess, you know, sometimes you need the money to survive. So <laughs> cash is king, as they say. Of course. And I mean, in the end, if he if he does prove to be a, a decent driver, then uh, definitely it's going to be looking like a good deal for yeah, Alpha. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's not take anything away. Like all these drivers, like for example, we talk about Stroll being the you know coming in with the uh, daddy Stroll money. Yeah, yeah, and all that thing. But let's admit, Stroll is a class driver for a midfield team. He yep. might not be the quickest on one lap pace, but he's got exceptional race craft. And we always see him like from the back of the grid coming to the front and scoring some decent points. So I feel like, you know, drivers like Stroll have proven themselves over time that, you know, they deserve to be in Formula One mm-hmm. uh, instead of, you know, that daddy's money kind of a right. uh, concept. Whereas like you look at Nikita and you look at uh, Joe, uh, these people have not proven themselves yet. So, I mean, of course, you know, to prove themselves, you need to be given a chance. So I'm glad that Joe's getting a chance. 
-hmm. Although I would not have liked it to come at the expense of Antonio because I have I do have a soft feeling for him personally. Um, but yeah, I guess we wait to see. I mean, if he does prove himself, like I said, then he could prove to be a steal for Alpha. Yeah, of course. And uh, you know, still, still on the topic of uh, new drivers, of course, we do have to talk about George Russell. Um, yeah, big expectations for him this season, I would say. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you think, Yash? Do you expect yeah, a lot from him? Uh, I would say, I mean, the hype with George, when, like, when George first came into F1, the hype everyone had around him, oh, you know, F2 world champion, really quick one lap pace and everything. Uh, and of course, when he had that one off drive in Bahrain, was it? No, it was it was the Outer Grand Prix, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, Saki. Yeah, the Saki Outer Grand Prix, yeah. So, and he impressed everyone with being just sh close to Bottas in quality and in fact leading the race until all the whole calamity pit stop thing happened to him, unfortunately. Yeah. So I think expectations are pretty high. And as a Mercedes driver, expectations are always high. You know, like they have been World Constructors Champion for eight years in a row. And I think they do not expect anything less. Mm -hmm. So obviously they will give him time to get into the team feel the car but I feel there's a lot like a lot of big expectations from him like you know whenever Gasly or Alban came to Red Bull there's always that expectation they had he had to be at least like three four tenths close to Verstappen in quality and all that kind of thing and I feel that's going to be the same for him or maybe in fact even more because with the hype of his own stature George is coming to F1 with there's going to be a lot more expectations on him I feel mm. and he does have to start delivering but of course initially I don't think anyone would put too much pressure on him and it's of course not right for anyone to put too much pressure on the get-go because it's a new car new team yeah. people you know take time to gel with it like i mean you look at ricardo he still hasn't gotten to grips with the mclaren after an entire season mm -hmm. um so yeah but of course i would say that uh he would have to start performing really quickly if he's not uh, turning up the results in the first few races yeah what, yeah. what do you think yes uh, i mean i do agree with everything you said um obviously he's a I think we all know he's a very fast driver, Mr. Saturday. Um he has mm -hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of credentials in F1 so far, which is uh, it's pretty great for someone who has uh who's always driven for the slowest a, a, car basically. Sorry? The slowest car basically. Yeah, pretty much. It's always driven for the slowest or the second slowest car on the grid. Yeah. And uh, but you know, at the same time, it's it's a pretty big jump as well, coming from uh, uh, a bottom mm -hmm. two kind of team to one of the fastest right. two cars on the grid. So uh, um, it will be interesting to see how he adapts to the new team and everything. I think mm -hmm. the team wise should be fine. It's a car that uh, might be a bit of yeah. a slightly bigger struggle for him, mm. but he's a great driver, so I'm I'm for sure he'll. Go have it done. But do you feel do you feel there's a potential for a friction to eventually heat up? Because we all know George is quick and he would want to be fighting for the world championship as well. If McLaren, not McLaren, Mercedes do have the quickest car, mm -hmm. you know, or a very quick car to fight for the championship. So which they probably definitely do, I feel. So yeah, there, there's um, a potential for a bit of friction kind of to happen. Yes, I I think there is a very, very good chance of that happening. Mm. And uh, I just hope that it's handled properly, you know. Uh, but if I had to guess, I would say George might start to be preferred now over Hamilton. 
because as much as Hamilton has delivered the success, you know, George is yeah. the future now. He has so many years left. For sure. So, I think... The but, team... but I do feel that Mercedes would want to kind of give Hamilton a priority and still get an eight championship at least. I mean, we do not know how long Hamilton wants to be in F1. That's really up to him. Hmm. Uh, he could retire at the end of the season or two, three seasons down the road. Who knows, you know? True. So, I feel he would want to win the eight championship so that he would be the statistically the greatest driver of all time for sure and to be honest i still feel he's a people argue a lot about hamilton not being like oh he's always got on the fastest car and stuff but even despite having the fastest car i mean look at bottas you know so i mean i, I feel to me i think personally hamilton is the greatest driver of all time mm-hmm. and what he has done this generation is something exceptional and i mean come on he literally put so much pressure on rosberg that rosberg had to retire at the end of <laughs> winning the championship so yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, coming back to the topic, uh, I, I do feel that there is a potential for friction, but I, I, I do feel that this would, Mercedes would manage it a lot better mm. because uh, I, I, mean, I don't they know, feel... They know some of the, the tips on, you know, how to manage things from the last time it happened, obviously. Yeah, of course, that, that's one thing, but I, I don't see it going anywhere that bad. I'll probably see it if, if let's say both of them are challenging for the... Championship would probably be something like how it was when Hamilton and Button were together as teammates, mm-hmm. where it was a lot of friendly kind of a rivalry. Well, it's yep. not that intense as how it was between Hamilton and Rosberg, you know. So that's the way I see see it more panning out as, yeah. I think I mean it surely also helps that um, George kind of idolized Hamilton growing up. So it's not really mm-hmm. like yeah, you're you're a rival. It's more like oh, you're this guy I looked up to when I was a kid. And you are the reason I got into F1. That that sort of uh, relationship, uh, a, a bit more like a mentor mentee kind of thing. So, sure. yeah, I mean, there's some uh, pretty notable differences between this and uh, Rosberg Hamilton. So, yeah, for it, sure, it shouldn't be anything too bad. I think. I mean, let, let's just see because at the, at the moment we're just speculating all this on the perspective that George is probably going to match Lewis. Yes. Uh, when we do not know if it's actually going to match Lewis, so mm. that, that's way to be seen. But well, one dynamic each other in the mid table for all we know, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. Who knows? <laughs> Touch wood. Touch wood. Yeah. No, but the dynamic which I'm most excited about is the Ferrari dynamic. I mean, if Ferrari actually have a championship winning car, it's going to provide a lot of headache to Matteo Binotto to manage Charles and Carlos because you look at last season, both of them are very even. Stevens like. Yes. There's literally nothing separating them in quality, nothing separating them in race. Mm-hmm. Although, yeah, probably Charles had more bad luck last season, but still, like, in terms of outright pace, both of them are almost equal to each other. Yep. So, if they actually do have a really ch- with, like great car to win a championship, it's going to be quite hard to manage both these drivers, I feel, because we both know Charles is the prodigy they are trying to mature the team around. Mm-hmm. But then we know Carlos is also a very underrated driver and a very quick driver, so... It'll be very interesting to see how this whole thing pans out if Ferrari actually do manage to get their act together. Yep, that'll be interesting. Um, have you missed out any new drivers or new drivers who changed teams? Uh, no, not drivers. We haven't talked about, I think, McLaren and Alfa Tauri and Aston Martin so far. Yep. Um, well, let's start with uh, McLaren in that case. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on uh, McLaren this season? Uh, uh, to me it's, it's a little bit of bittersweet kind of feeling like the car looks nice looks mm-hmm. alright like on track interesting, 
moving away from. Uh, okay, I'm a little disappointed with the delivery, to be honest. I, I felt they could have done better, and that's one thing for sure. But I feel they had a two livery change. They they delivered they revealed one livery in Barcelona, and when they brought to Bahrain, they made a few tweaks to livery to kind of make it look a lot nicer. I feel after hearing fan suggestions. Right. So, like, I think uh, the top half of the engine cover is a bit of a black kind of uh, mm. design, which wasn't there before and stuff like that. So a little disappointed, to be honest, with the whole livery. But then at, at the same time, I do not really care about the livery. I feel <laughs> care more about the performance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And at, at the moment, the performance is okay, I guess. But then we have a bit of reliability issues to the brakes. And I feel the major downside about this whole preseason for McLaren is that Daniel Rick has not got any time in the car, I mean, basically, right apart right. from the three days in Barcelona. And what, what we are, I'm pretty sure Ricardo, that... Will he be back for the race? He should be, I think. According to the Bahrain rules, they do say that he can probably be back for the race. Okay. But I mean, that's of course if he provides the negative test and stuff. Yep. Which is, let's see, it's, it's a bit unlikely to me because usually it stays with you for a while. Like once you get, mm. infect, you get infected with COVID. Like when I, when I got COVID personally, I was I only tested negative like after 10 or 12 days. Right. So instead, like even though you could go out after seven days, but you test on tenders. And I think F1 rules is that you need to test negative before you can enter the paddock. Mm. So I don't know, it'll be interesting to see because uh, McLaren recently announced that they're having this partnership with Alpine to have Oscar Piastri as a reserve driver in case they ever need like need Piastri to come and yeah, drive for them. That's correct. So I mean, I'm, I'm not taking anything first, away. First race start. Sorry? No. He might get his first race start in. Uh, yeah, Bahrain. yeah. Who knows, man? Who knows? Like, I definitely want Danny Rick to be back in the car for Bahrain. But then, Touchwood, if 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 he's not there, I would love to see Piastri in that car get a go because yep, we all know sure. Piastri is a really exceptional talent. So it'll be great to just give him some experience in the car, you know. Mm. Yeah. But then I, I but that, that's the thing which worries me because Ricardo last season has not looked the best. You know, if you have watched Drive to Survive, he's been portrayed as the sort of the demon of the McLaren team with not performing too well, if you look at it. Yeah. So I mean of, of course we know that his results have not been the best, or at least not what we would expect from a person like Danny Rick. So hmm. I feel missing these three days is quite huge for him. Because his own issue was with the handling of the car, you know. Exactly. And if he's not even driving and, the I new mean, car, this, then... this is a perfect time for you to get to terms with the car and uh, exactly, see, see exactly. And then unfortunately, he got COVID. So, I mean, I guess things are on a bit of a back foot for McLaren. But then, I guess let's just wait and see what happens in Bahrain because at the moment it's really a question mark on McLaren where they are because they look good, but at the same time they have reliability issues. So it's yeah, like I said, a little bit of a bittersweet feeling for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, what about uh, Aston Martin with Sepp and Stroll? Um, they've been, it's been the two of them for quite a while now, I think. I, I think one of the, Sorry? Second season together. Is it only a second? Yeah, because oh, Sepp right, only right. came to Aston Martin last season. Oh, I but I mean, Stroll has been there for quite a long time. Yeah, Stroll has been there for a while. But I, I don't know why, it just feels like they've been together for like five or six years now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, Preseason, not the best for Aston Martin. Um, how how do you think that reflects into the the rest of the season going forward? Mm, it's, it's tough for me to say because uh, personally, I wasn't really following Aston Martin's progress. I was more obviously looking at the top top field and my team McLaren. Mm-hmm. But then from what I've seen, I think 
the drivers look okay with the car. Like they said that they're satisfied with the handling of the car. So I guess it's for Aston is really about trying to extract more pace out of the car. And the only way to do that is probably with development of the car or maybe who knows, they were probably sandbagging as well. We do not know. So yeah. uh, I, I guess time will tell where Aston are really. But I feel like probably at this stage, they should be looking to try and tackle it, like fight with this McLaren for the fourth spot because you look at Stroll's, Danny Stroll's uh, vision of five years to be the world champions. Mm-hmm. Last year, they were fighting for probably, you could say, six, seven position. So they should at least be making a step up, you know? Yeah. So I guess I guess we shall see. Uh, time will tell where they are, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's uh, They should be definitely fighting for top of the mid-table. At the very least, uh, they might not be there fighting for the, the, the top three, the podium spots yeah. regularly, but mm. uh, regular top 10, top six even, that should be something they're aiming for. I mean, they still had two podiums last year, you know. I That's mean, true. if you count Hungary as one podium. Yeah. But uh, yeah, still, I mean, I think the potential is there for Aston. Mm-hmm. It's just whether they can deliver on a consistent basis that's yet to be seen from them. And with this season, I feel like, as I mentioned before, I feel Haas are probably in the mix as well. The midfield battle is actually going to be really tight. That's right. Yeah, like one one weekend, you could you could probably be in Q3. The next weekend, you can probably get out in Q1. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess time will tell where each team are and how close the pack is. Yep. I mean, that's the unpredictability that we were looking forward to with the new regulations. Yeah. And sure. uh, uh, just uh, wrapping it up with... Uh, Last... Oh, we haven't talked about Alpine as well. Yeah, wrapping it up with last team, Alpine now. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Fernando Alonso and Ocon. I have to say, these guys are kind of like an underrated duo at this point. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're actually, like, I mean, one is a world-class driver. We all know Alonso, how good he is. And the other is just, you know, he quietly gets the, gets the job done. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes he goes under the radar. Of course, his uh, race win was uh, very famous, but in most races, he just like he tends to be a bit more subtle, a bit more sublime, but he still gets the job right. done. Mm-hmm. And I think right. that's going to be a really big. Uh, both of those uh, drivers have their their strengths, which are going to be really big for Alpine to deliver this season. Uh, in midfield, I I would expect I'm not too hopeful of them finishing too high yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I think they will regularly break into the top six, uh, top five, maybe. Right. What about you? I mean, I feel Alpine are a team which have high expectations of themselves. And I think as a team unit itself, like they have a lot of resources to actually succeed, but mm-hmm. they are unable to extract the maximum of the resources they have. Mm. So I feel like at the moment, from what I'm hearing, like if, if you follow this YouTube channel called The Race, um, like they were talking about all they did all the analysis of all the teams all their long runs short runs whatever they're doing mm-hmm. and taking times and everything into consideration they say Alpine are probably the eighth fastest team so I would say as an Alpine fan if you're an Alpine fan it's a little worrying sign because for a driver like Fernando you want to be fighting at the top mm-hmm. um, that's true but at the same time I feel that Fernando should hang his boots as well because I want to see Piastri in that seat <laughs> <laughs> that's my own personal opinion um but um, 
yeah, I would say expectations wise, Alpine should definitely be at the midfield as well, like fighting for the top spots of the midfield at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like I've been saying this for the I don't know, trillion time in this episode that the thing about a midfield is that it's just so tight that, that you cannot predict which positions are going to be what. Yeah. And we haven't even mentioned Alpha Tari yet as well. So, yes, of course. Uh, yeah, I mean, Alpha Tori, another solid partnership, I would say, with uh, Yuki and Gasly. Mm. Um, I don't know, it's always a bit hard for me to call mm. Alpha Tori because, okay, Gasly, uh, I will say, you know, he delivers pretty regularly. Mm. He drives well consistently. Yeah. But Yuki, uh, I mean, in last season, he was just a bit of an unknown quantity in many, many races. I mean, he was quite disappointed. Quite disappointing you know, as, a, as a first season for him, you know. Right. And I, I mean, he also set uh, a pretty high standard with uh, preseason last year and the, mm-hmm. the opening uh, in, in racing, Bahrain. Yeah. Bahrain. yeah. And maybe that was the issue for him last year, you know, just set it kind of a bit too high. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, going into this year now that he has uh, the whole of that season under his belt, uh, what would you say is a, a reasonable target for Yuki? I feel for Yuki, it's really about trying to match Gasly. Like, I do not expect him to match Gasly, maybe in terms of race craft. Mm-hmm. But I feel in terms of raw pace, I think that's what Yuki was brought in for. I think everyone knew Rookie, like Yuki, I was saying Rookie. Rookie Yuki. Yuki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like everyone knew Yuki for his speed, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel in the lower categories, he wasn't really winning, but he showed really exceptional pace in general. Yeah. So I feel he should at least be matching his teammate. Like right now, he's just making a lot of mistakes here and there. And I guess for the, as a first season, you could probably say, okay, fine. You know, you're a rookie driver. You know, it's fine to make mistakes. But now as a season, he really has to start showing up and show that he has learned from his mistakes. Like a lot of times, I remember there's one, I think Imola qualifying or something. He just binded in qualifying mm-hmm. into the barriers when uh, Alpha Tari were actually one of the quicker teams in Imola yeah. that, that, that weekend. Uh, but with that said, you know, he's, he, he has had pretty few strong weekends as well, where he has been finishing in the top, like mm-hmm. getting quite a few points for uh, Alpha Tauri. Yeah. But it's, it's all about delivering on a consistent basis. Like the UK of last season was very inconsistent, making quite a few mistakes. And I feel this season, if he's able to cut those mistakes off, he will definitely be able to match uh, Pierre because we all know he has the talent. Yeah. Uh, and the determination with all his anger, we can always see on the team radio. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he just got to, you know, make less mistakes. And I'm pretty sure he will, he will be have a lot better second season this time around. Yep, for sure. Uh, does that sum up all the teams? Yeah, I think that's the preseason team. So, chapter. yes. All right. So, with all that out of the day, uh, out of the way, um, I think let's wrap up with our season predictions. Uh, obviously, the, the main ones, uh, driver champion and constructors champion. Why don't you start off? Quite. It's really high, you know, because right now we do right. not know it's, any orders. It's just too early to tell anything. It's too early to tell, but I would still want to keep my money on Max being a world champion one more time. Um, I probably feel that Lewis is going to be there as well again. Mercedes, as you all know, they'll always fight and bring the car up, even if, let's say, the first few races, it's not quite up there. So you can never doubt Mercedes on, on this part, unless something horribly goes wrong, then 
like I said, we might see them battling for fifth and sixth position then, who knows? Yep. But uh, I don't think realistically that's going to happen. But let's not forget the Ferrari as well mm. uh, with their pace. So honestly, I'm just listing all the teams again. <laughs> I've not given you a definite answer. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, we just listed the, the, the top three teams so far. Yeah, exactly. But uh, if you ask me who I want to be a champion and who I arguably see as being a champion, it's definitely Max Verstappen. Right. At the, at the time being, at least. You ask me again after the Bahrain GP, then I'll be able to tell maybe <laughs> if my opinion changes. But I highly doubt that Red Bull are going to be anywhere apart from fighting for the top spots. So, yep. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, I mean, I, I'm still going to be putting my money on uh, Lewis Hamilton winning number eight for sure. Mm. And I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't mind Lewis winning number eight. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just being like, for me personally, according to what I see, I feel Max is going to be the champion. But at the same time, we love Lewis too. Sorry? No, I mean, it's definitely reasonable because uh, just, I mean, given how consistent he was last year and uh, yeah. how so far preseason testing has gone, obviously, it means nothing. Testing times mean nothing. But uh, if, you know, even if it was representative of like 0.001% of uh, season performance, I think Red Bull are definitely up there in, in, in the lead. So, okay. yeah, for sure. Um, uh, it's very reasonable to think Max is going to win. And yeah. I think equally reasonable to say uh, Lewis, Lewis is going to win. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do want to give a shout out, you know. I made this prediction last season that Mazepin would win the World Driver Championship. <laughs> so, although Mazepin's uh, no longer in F1, I would say maybe, who knows, if Haas suddenly have this miraculous car, which they probably have been sandbagging this whole preseason. We might see another Schumacher on the championship board, and who wouldn't love that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm living in a fantasy world right now, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never know. This is it's just it's already shaping up to it's, be the most unpredictable season. It's too early to tell. And even, yeah, exactly. And even after the first race, you can you cannot really say that you know the packing order is the same because mm. like like. It's, it's too small of a sample, you know? Like, exactly. it's just one sample type. So it's yeah. too early, to, like, even after the race, to say that, oh, maybe this team is at the top, for sure. I mean, so, you can essentially expect that teams will be sandbagging through FP1, FP2. And, and then, yeah, probably, just unleash a new card sorry? in quality. And just unleash their whole package in quality, basically. Yeah, I mean, they, they really might. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just one last thing. Who do you think is going to be a surprise package this season? Uh, could mm. be a driver or could be a team. How about you go first? I need, I need time to think about this. Oh, okay. If I go first, I am going to say... I think Valtteri Bottas is going to prove a lot of people wrong. Okay. Uh, you know, That's a good shot. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. he looks comfortable in the car. And obviously, we all know he's a very talented driver. Yeah. I think uh, he can land quite a few um, good finishes at the top level. Okay, that's a good shot. If, if you ask me, I'll probably want to go for... Who should I go for? I was going to say Danny Rick, but then he's not really a surprise package, you know? But the reason why I would say I want to go with Danny Rick is because he has to prove a lot of people wrong again. Because yeah. the whole way last season is gone, he was, you know, beaten by Norris by a mile. A driver of his stature, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel that he, he doesn't have to prove who he is, but he has to prove himself in the McLaren car. Right. Which is why I feel that this season, I don't know, something might click in Danny Rick. 
he gets his you know honey badger mojo back and you know diving down the inside of everyone left right center <laughs> so yeah. it'll be good to see see that again so my shout is for dan rick as a not a surprise package but someone who's probably going to raise his levels and you know compete at the very top yep for sure that'll be, that'll be nice to see you know the old honey badger back to his uh old form that you all say yep. but yeah i think that just about wraps up our uh, 2022 f1 season preview uh thank you guys for watching if you've lasted this long and uh mm-hmm. you know we're, we're really looking forward to this season uh it's going to be very unpredictable it's going to be cra- pretty crazy i think and uh and we hope wait. to update you guys regularly as well yes and we around. do hope to upload a lot more regularly this season uh, but, you know, we'll see how things go with our scheduling and everything. But, uh, well, that's it from me, Tarun, and him, Yash, for this episode. Uh, hopefully, we'll uh, catch you all again soon with another F1 episode. And in the meantime, please do check out our other sports. We do uh, football, talk about football. We do talk about cricket. If you're interested in any of those, uh, you can check us out on Spotify and on YouTube. We're on both these places as the Next Team Podcast. And also do follow us on Instagram. Uh, for all our latest updates and we're there at the next team sg and also on tiktok we'll be posting highlights and snippets of uh all our videos our best moments we're on there as the next team sg as well so please do check us out all our links will be in our descriptions below and uh well until the next episode that's it from us ciao guys Bye.